This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Talking Devils podcast. I'm Wayne Barton. I'm joined by Manchester United Premier League winner and FA Cup winner and League Cup winner, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you very much, Wayne. A running gag we've had throughout the season proper was how it was a rare delight to have two wins to talk about. You know, as usual, there's a little bit of a kicker and there is one here. Thankfully, Paul, something that you never had to experience as a United player, was Liverpool winning the league. Um, I don't want to talk too much about that, obviously. But we've talked a lot in the year and a half that we've been recording podcasts about some players needing a wake-up call. And sometimes we've felt, oh, that hasn't happened internally with United because of the results, and you wonder whether the players have got it within them. And it's fair to say that probably some of these players have had two or three years extra at United than they would have expected um, under different managers. So, is the Liverpool thing kind of like the final straw? If these players don't get their act together, they're going to see that um, people are a lot less patient with them? I would, I would say so. I think if you look at Oli, the way he is and how he's, how he's trying to model himself, he's trying, to look at, he's trying to look at looking at somebody, I should say, who was very successful for the club on and off the field, um, as Sir Alex was, and he's trying to look at that. And I think... You see some of the things that he's done, and you listen to what he says, and and you say to yourself, yeah, it's going to bother him because he he was at United at a, a very successful time. He had to work hard for every minute he got on that pitch. He had to work hard to be there. He had to really earn the right to be there, and he never really got that 
earned that right because he was never really seen as a permanent fixture in, in a starting eleven. I think, to be perfectly honest. But he got a lot of game, game time, and that was down to the management the management of Sir Alex, how he, fake, how he worked things with his four strikers in that successful period. So it's, it would bother him about Liverpool, wouldn't it? He would never, he would never come out and say they didn't deserve it or anything silly like that. But it was great with him that they've won it, and the manner in which they've gone and won it as well would great him just as much as it would Sir Alex, because there's a there's a way of winning the league, and <laughs> there is a way of winning the league, and Liverpool have gone and done it in a way, in a manner with the football they've played, and they've been very consistent in what they've done. And when things are even not going well for them, they come up with. You know, with late goals, I always still remember the one where Robinson scored late to Aston Villa. Mm. And all those kind of things happen and that kind of points in the direction of the way that club is going and what, what, what they can achieve after they've gone and done what they've you know, done this season. So that is something that needs to be quelled. But it's not just about Manchester United, it's other teams as well who have to join in the party as well. And and think to themselves, you know, do they want to be embarrassed again every time they play games? Do they, do they want to kind of embarrass themselves in front of their fans and just put teams out that just suggest that they're more concerned about the game the week after than what's in front of them? And a lot of those sides might have regrets now about the way they've handled their season and the fact that they haven't gone out maybe necessarily in the mindset of going to win games. Players have gone out there worried, more concerned about the game next week than the game in front of them they've done their fans an injustice because I still believe that Liverpool won the league without really having to fight for it because there wasn't enough teams willing to fight with them you know it's the least, least competitive Premier League I've seen for a long long time but still the best team always win the league so for those Manchester United players they should be concerned after this as I keep calling it second stage of the Premier League Finishes, they should be a little bit concerned for the start of next season because I'm sure it's going to be on his mind that there's going to be there's players who haven't really done themselves justice and he knows he needs to move them on and he's mostly wondering how he's going to do that because if they haven't done themselves justice to United, who's going to want them? Who's going to want all of them? How is he going to get them out? You know, if he gets rid of five, that might allow him the opportunity to maybe bring two in because I think if we look at Liverpool's success. I think their success and what they've achieved this season is a lot of it's been down to continuity. Not not in, even like to the point, yes, they did with a League Cup in a way, but they kind of played, you kind of knew the team that they were going to have out. You always knew who was going to be playing. And, and that was the one thing, you didn't muck about with the side too much. You know, Manchester United have tried it, but they haven't got the players good enough to go yeah. and do it. That's, that's the problem. When you look at Liverpool, when you look at their... You look at their starting 11, their 12, 13, 14 players are used on a regular basis. The ones there, you say to yourself, yeah, that was always strong. But the moment they dipped away from that on the odd occasion, you always saw a weakness. Always could see it that they, even they were struggling. You can't just go and do it. You can't be like City in the way they've gone and done it. And there was no guarantees with City. In the end, you can have maybe too many players to choose from. And then you suddenly feel that you've got to try and service certain ones then. And, and you end up with no continuity, as City found out. City should have gone out and brought, looked at defenders. Yeah. Maybe Pep might change. Defenders were the key for, for City winning the league. If they wanted to win it, they needed at least two good defenders. And we could then maybe say that because of their attacking strengths... 
they could they they should have been competing with Liverpool, but they couldn't because they didn't they didn't have not one key defender they could rely on with injuries and the fact of people leaving the club. So United, for me, next season the aim has to be if they're serious is is guaranteed Champions League football. Not talk about winning the league because the points difference suggests that that can't be done. It'd be absolutely incredible if they could do it unless they would go out, go out and spend ridiculous amounts of money and hope they can all gel quickly. And that's not the way to go. Even I'm sure a hardened United fan would say it's not the way to go. It looks great when you go out shopping, you come back with all these bags full of clothes, but the problem is then you've got to match them all together. <laughs> and uh, and that doesn't generally always work. Doesn't matter how good a manager you are. When when a sporting director saying throws all that stuff onto you, and you go right, you got to work with all of them. And you're saying I don't need that many. And that's and that's the problem. So I think Ollie will go down that road, uh, hopefully, and look at getting continuity and players who know that if they're doing their job properly, they're going to play. Yeah. Um, another thing to mention with Liverpool, just before we move on, is Klopp came in late 2015 so that's nearly five years that he's had and I remember for the first three of those people would constantly pull up his win percentage record they would say oh it's not as good as David Moyes at United you know whenever they lost a game Hmm. and I'm telling you for some United fans we're a year and a half into Ole you know give it time Um, we'll talk a little bit well let's get straight on to a couple of questions then because you talk about squad rotation and squad depth and we do have two questions on that. Um, the first is Tom Ashdown. We are going to talk about the games against Sheffield United and Norwich in detail, obviously. But um, Tom Ashdown asks, is there strength in depth in the current squad? I, I would say not particularly. And when you look at some of the, when you look at some of the players and, and the only way... <laughs> That's the hardest thing now. It's very difficult when you, you look what happened at the weekend in the FA Cup. He's tried his best to... Well, he made eight changes, I think it was. Yeah. And, it, and it showed. It showed Norwich were almost full strength, but it showed that United were lacking, totally lacking. And he, he had to do something. And he was aided by the fact of the five-substitution rule that he could... He could get most of the players who generally would have started a Premier League game. He got them on the pitch, and it was able in the end to get sustained pressure and then get that vital goal before it went to penalties. That's what he allowed him to do. When in the other foot, which is easy for me to say, I'm not a manager. Start strong, do the job, then take people off. And if you're a Norwich City player, you would have thought, "Blimey, we're being disrespected here," and and it could have cost United in the end. It could nearly could have done. So it proves that. Maybe the players coming in, they weren't, and not maybe not up to the task. The other issue is, a lot of them haven't had a lot of game time, so to quickly throw them in to, into that game after they've had like three and a half, four, nearly four months layoff from playing football, competitive football of any sort, was another big question because if you throw them into, you wouldn't, you put them in a pre-season game. And you wouldn't expect them to be dynamic because you know they've had a layoff. Mm. But at the end, you, you put them into an FA Cup game, which is supposed to be more competitive, a one-off game, and then you expect them just to cruise into it and go and win easy. Everyone looked off. Mata looked off. Mata needs maybe more time because he's older and it takes him longer. He's got, that, he's got age against him yeah. and, he, and he needs to go into a fluid team. If you started with Mata in a midfield with Fernandes and with um, Pogba in it, then he would have been fine. 
but you put so many players around, he can't get into any functional play because the players are not the same level as him. Even my boy said to me, I think Matter's playing the game one pass in front of everybody and it's making him look bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he said, that's, that's the problem. You've got Lingard, who hasn't played for ages, got the elements against him at the moment, going against him in that certain way. You've got other people coming in you know, and it's very, very, it's very, very difficult. And when you've got certain players on the pitch as well who have been play, playing regularly, but then all of a sudden you see that they were malfunctioning as well. Because was it because of the fact of they need better players to around them, or were those players that bad? So the answer to that question is, United maybe need to cut down their cut down their squad, their what the players you associate to be with the first team, cut that back, trim it. And then maybe if you if you trim it of six or seven players, look to bring in look to bring in three or four. Yeah. To be honest, that you know that you can count on when needed. And if you if there's games that you you just want to rest people, you put the young players in and you see where you go from them. And then people then will will kind of will will go with that. But when you bring in established players and you're asking them to suddenly turn it on after two, three, four months out of not playing football. It's impossible. They get persecuted by everybody because you can't switch on, switch off. You can't have a Porsche sitting in the garage for six months then expect it to do naught to sixty in four seconds. Because if you try and push it, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna crack. It's not gonna work. It's gonna stutter a little bit because it hasn't, hasn't had no air in. So you, for those players, is that the same? You, yes, they. Some of them should have done better, but it's very, very difficult when you're going up, up against those Norwich players who have started, who have played two games prior to you I think they had Norwich I think they've played they played two games but they've had they've had two games to get the dust out of their um, out of their lungs to kind of get energy back into their thighs of kicking the ball consistently for 90 minutes and that fun you know that kind of fun were running around all over the place they didn't have it so I felt sorry for those players who had to come in and had to deliver and it never materialised for them now they're stuck with that last that last game in their head and wondering when are they going to get a chance to redeem themselves? So he, they, he he does need to move players on for his sake, Ollie. He needs to do for him to get Manchester United competing as a, as an established top four team. I mean, a Champions League spot team, and then he 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 needs the other players need to do their bit. But he he needs three or four players, and he and in my opinion. <laughs> Maybe two or three, maybe two of them, maybe to come straight into the side. Yeah, it's it's a matter of at this moment quality over quantity, isn't it? And that's a, yeah. um, a question, uh, similar theme really from um, the website editor, the Talk of the Devils editor, Dan Burdett. He asks about your views on so much squad rotation these days because in the double winning season of 93-94 obviously which you played in most of the squad played about 50 to 60 matches that season mm. um, plus the friendlies and the internationals on top of that yeah. and, there, and there were no breaks as well yeah well if, if, if everyone not in one's like me I'll be called a dinosaur or whatever <laughs> it is in the way I think but not by me our, not by me no, yeah. but <laughs> our games were I would say our games were definitely more physical they were more demanding than what they are today. Because the ball's only in play an average of about 65 minutes over the 90. Um, the tackles are stronger. We run, no, we run the same distance because players now just stand still and pass, just pass the ball sideways, backwards. 
no one there's never no burst forwards the amount of amount of miles that the likes of Robbo, Ince and Keno used to put in will outweigh any central midfield players of the majority of them in today's football or Premier League of top level football without a shadow of a doubt and they would run back as well because they wouldn't be be seen as a defensive midfield player they'd want to be someone who gets into the opponent's box but someone who makes a last ditch tackle on the edge of their own box because they were team players so continuity was a massive key in that time for us because we all knew each other so well we played week in week out no one talked about tiredness was never mentioned if someone had mentioned it we would have felt it because it's human nature someone tells you you've got a runny nose you'll suddenly tell yourself that you've got pneumonia and um, that's, the way, that's the way life is today, isn't it? Everyone, you know, everyone's trying to tell everybody, oh, you don't look well. Oh, oh, really? Oh, blimey, it must be seriously bad. And bang, you're in bed, you can't go to work. But we played because we wanted to play. We, we played because we wanted the accolades that went with it when we played and when we won. And our egos told us that we just wanted to be everything United. So we got so many pats on the back. Take that as an arrogance, but no, it's a fact of life. It's a, everyone, when you play football, you want that... You want that around you. You want all that kind of stuff. You, it's what you, everything about. You know that you're doing well and choosing that career and pursuing it and doing it well is it absolute top, top thing of any, of any level of football. So players of today, their biggest excuse now is that, is that their manager makes excuses for them because he has to justify the size of his squad. And to justify that, he always has to keep talking about tiredness and using, using other players, so it makes it easier for him, this is all in my opinion, of course, for him to swap things around. Yeah. Now, you find the teams that are the most consistent teams this season, the most consistent team this season has been Liverpool, without a shadow of a doubt. But um, pre, <laughs> Pre-lockdown, the two other most consistent teams were Wolves and Sheffield United, yeah. with, their, with their performances and their results. When I say, yes, they lost games, but you look at the way they were playing, they were playing as units. As a, you look at Wolves now, Wolves have played, how many games have they played? 40-odd already? Probably Wolves have fought more. That, more. Yeah. You think how many, look, so far, I think he makes, he, make, he, he alternates with two players every game, he moves them around every game. And those players are still going. I've never heard their manager talk, when he does his interviews or anything, I've never heard him talk about tiredness. They've played European games. They've done everything. Never once mentioned it. Those players play with a smile on their face and they play the same style. No commentator or commentator has even talked about fatigue with those players. And they're very clever not doing that, really, because I don't think their manager will be pleased. When things ain't, it's amazing when things ain't going well for a team, a co-commentator, an ex-pro, will come up and say, oh, they look tired. Most of those those ex-pros come from my era or before, and I'm very surprised they keep saying that. Why can't someone just have a bad, an off day? So thankfully, you know, um, we didn't have an off day against Sheffield United. Um, there were some pleasing signs in that game, a routine win, some might say. Um, some very good football, Paul. Um, but you know me, I'm a little bit odd. I always look at different things. And I don't know what it was, but I felt more excited about the things that almost went right because you're thinking, with a little bit of more time, these players playing together, we really could be seeing something special. You know, that there was moments between Bruno and Pogba and Bruno and, and Rashford and, and the link-up between the three of them and, and Martial. And sometimes it didn't quite go right, but you're thinking, you know, in a few months, 
that could really um, it could really look good. It could do, and I think that Pogba's one of those players who like who who don't know like it or not like it plays and kind of reacts to the players around him. If he respects them, then he'll, then you'll get you'll get a lot more from from him. If he doesn't respect them, in the sense of he doesn't believe they're good enough or whatever, then I, and I think that's where his issues come out. And when you're not seeing the same Pogba at the moment, the one who's over hogging the ball, you're seeing you're seeing you're seeing the Pogba that was who done so well when he was at Juve. Maybe the one the reason why or the Pogba before the reason why he he got to Manchester United first of all, the reason why Sir Alex liked him, and but the, but prior to that we actually saw the reasons why Sir Alex didn't like him yeah. before this lockdown where you know all, all the issues all the everything went with him and Manchester United suddenly being forgotten and Paul Pogba's name was coming first before Manchester United which is always a bad sign for any club and especially a club of Manchester United's stature that another player's name <clears throat> something that was going before the name of Manchester United it was never Sir Alex Ferguson it was always Manchester United and Sir Alex Ferguson that's the way that he would have always seen it so it was going wrong with Pogba but in life you have to as you go you sometimes you have to forgive and forget and move on you'll never forget but you'd, you'd, you'd move on because the fact of the person's willing to, to, to go on and is looking that way at the moment and the way they're playing. And you, there was some good link-up play. Again, Fernandes was, was good, made a massive... You know, his energy levels are incredible. His willingness to tackle back, it just shows that Oli has you know, he's made a very, very good signing already. A really, really good signing already. When he has an off day... People sometimes have got to grow up and allow him to have an off day because he's human. You know, other people jump and, you know, want to dig him out because he's had a bad game and that's what life's become anyway. People can't do that anymore. People will kind of pick you out when things may be going well for they want to find negatives about you. But you look at Rashford, Rashford's still got a bit, oh, he still hasn't really caught up yet and I think we've seen it with maybe some of his finishing of late as well. But the, the signs are positive in a sense of United going forward. Defensively, they still worry me. Still worry me for a side that's going to, who I believe should be competing for Champions League football. I should be saying competing for the league, but I think people would think I was on wacky backy if I talked about that now. <laughs> but they should be, but they're not good enough to at this moment in time. You can't just suddenly grow and become a side that's going to win a league straight away. Not at this moment in time, given the distance that they're, they're behind, the, behind, behind Liverpool, who won the league. So you're looking to get closer and defensively it's still a big problem Wayne as far as I'm concerned and I've seen it mentioned a few times but it's not right defensively, it's way off. Well, there's a couple of things on that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, one, one final thing on Sheffield United game, obviously Anthony Martial scores um, a great hat-trick, two killer finishes in the first half, um, fantastic finish in the third uh, in the second half, sorry, for, for the third goal. Um, well, one thing we said before the game, Paul, I remember you saying that perhaps it would have been the right kind of game for Igolo to have started. So, obviously, with Martial playing, he had to make a kind of statement, and he did. But the problem isn't that he can score a hat-trick for United, which was the first since Robin Pam Percy scored um, to win as the league in 2013. This, he could have scored five goals and you wouldn't have been surprised because he's got the talent. It's whether or not he can do that next week. I'm not saying a hat-trick, but, you know, play well the next week and look a threat the next week. That's the problem with Martial, isn't it? It's not that he can do it, it's doing it 
one, two, three, four, five games in a row. Yeah, it's a massive problem, and and that's the bit. As much as everybody's pleased what he's gone and done, everyone's sceptical, and you can't blame anybody. You don't. I don't think people want to be. People want to believe, but they've tried to believe so many times with him, and it's it hasn't materialised, and they felt let down. They see the the mood swings when he, you know, when he gets taken off, when it ain't going back for him, when. You know, when he should be kind of accepting that the fact of the manager's trying to win a game, so he needs to make a decision because it's him, him, it's him whose head's on the chopping block, not Martial. He's he's going to be there longer longer than the manager, unless unless at some point he asks he asks to go, or the manager makes a big effort to get rid of him. But he's in a stronger position than the manager at this moment in time. That's what football is now in that in that division. So you have to make a decision and. And decisions that every time he gets taken off, he's he salts. Now he scored a hat trick. Now his next bit to come out is, what's he going to go and do from there? And it isn't about him going to score goals. People want him just to to show that kind of zest, enthusiasm, show that he wants to be there, and just go out and have a really good go. To be perfectly honest, and and that's what it boils down to. Can he go and nick one, nick and the winner? I mean, uh, that's the most you know that's the most important thing. I just think. I'm looking at Pogba, I'm looking at Fernandes, and even I'm looking at a Matic in midfield who'd like to get, get the ball into someone's feet, facing, and then looking to play people in, to play balls off of him. Martial isn't really going to be that player. He's going to be the one, and it's good that he's poaching goals, because I think that's something that Ollie's t- talked to him about. You know, don't always look to score the wonderful goal. There is times you, the ugly goal is just as big and maybe even more important. But I think sometimes he's got to look to face up and be that focal point on the width of the box who's going to maybe just to, just to turn around and accept a ball coming into him from somebody to, to, hold up, to hold it up. A bit like trying to be someone near to what like Sparky was. And that works. When you've got that kind of talent to bounce the ball into, it makes a difference. It makes a difference for a team when you've got midfield players who are clever with their passes and not balls around the corner like... Pogba does and like Fernandez definitely does and which Matic will do sometimes as well because that's a good free in midfield it's a great free in midfield yeah um, so that's the bits with Martial so the next game he plays everyone's going to be watching to see what he does next everyone will because his games are as the saying goes are coming thick and fast they said they say that in a normal season actually it's a fact now these games are coming thick and fast without a doubt, because of the situation. So he has to go out and do it again, because if he doesn't go and do it again, if he gives a subdued performance in his next game, then all of a sudden, fans are going to get subdued. They're going to be fed up with him. And I know it's, it's not nice to say, but that's what football's become now. You, they're looking at somebody who's showing so much promise, cost the club a lot of money, and at this moment in time, he's got himself in a position to step forward now, because he's going to score the first hat-trick since 2013, and to really go on, and everything that's happened before can disappear so quickly as a lot does in football nowadays. So he's got to go and grab it. Yeah, I think the point is, the overriding point with Martial is that he's been there for five of those years. Mm. So why hasn't he scored one before? Do you know what I mean? I, I don't yeah, mean yeah. that being harsh to him, but like you, you just said it perfectly there, football 
isn't a game of sentiment. You win the trophies because you're the better team, and or you put in the better performances and you score the better goals or more yeah. goals, and that's what he's got to do. Um, it's not going to be they're not going to give him one out of sympathy for sure. And yeah, correct. Um, let's talk about Norwich then. A couple of comments before this. Um, Ben Allen thought that Oli perhaps got it wrong with the starting eleven. Perhaps he should have started with a stronger side and switched it up. But he feels that some of the criticism is over the top because there's many games we're juggling resources. There's 14 games unbeaten. We're in the semis of the FA Cup, so it's not perfect, but we're still building well. And also, <laughs> um, a comment from Kent. Kentizzle, I think it's Ken. I'm going to call him Ken. I'm sorry if it's wrong. He asks if we should be prioritising any specific competition, or maybe more pertinently, can we afford to prioritise? Um, of course, we'll talk about Norwich. Last minute winner, Harry Maguire. Um, there's some drama in there. Um, we made eight changes, Paul, um, and like you said, it looked like a team that had made eight changes. Perhaps not so much the um, identity of the players, but more to do with the fact that now that first eleven has got a little bit of a, a distinct pattern and style. You can't match that with the second eleven, so you can't get that same kind of urgency. Um, it's a completely different style, and yes, we're playing against the worst team in the division, but it showed yeah, he, for a long um, time as well, didn't it? He did. He did show. He looked. He didn't look that good, to be perfectly honest. And just about got over the line. I don't think he'll be doing that again at this moment in time to go and do something like that. I think. Um, I think Ben's right in a way. Ollie did make. He made too many changes. Made far too many changes, and he got away with it. Really seriously, got away with it in the end. Just by you know, by the fact of Maguire sticking out a leg and getting something out of it. So that's something. I don't think he'll do again, but something I don't think he should do again, as we talked about earlier, it, it just isn't good enough. It's enough edge in the pl- edge with the players who are not playing regularly. They haven't got it there. They're, some of them have been around it. They've been pushed away from it, and they're not liking it. So when they do go and play, they're maybe not in the best mindset to go out there and really have a go nowadays. There's a few disgruntled players, which happens every, is everywhere at this moment in time yeah. you know the, the way things they're playing in June so every, everything's odd and they're just still their body's not really acclimatised to to playing in games of this intensity intensity of this time it's a complete massive change to all these players and their lifestyle in what's going on so it's very very difficult Oli has to now go go at everything I don't think he he can turn around and name something that oh I'm going to go for that I'm going to go for that. If you're on this if you're on this unbeaten run, you've got to now your aim is to stay unbeaten to the end to this to this second stage of the season finishes. Don't turn around and say well I'm going to do this I'm going to go for that because remember everybody's in that difficult situation of trying to read what every individual player's mindset is at the moment because of where we are where when you know the way football's being played no crowds in june everything that was there before is completely different now so i don't think you can really go out and set your stall out liverpool the only team who can really in theory because they've won the league they're mostly going to give young players a chance there might be a few young players who can maybe get medals so he might start giving them some games so they can get the sufficient number of games to get a medal yeah. Young, you know, soul in, in that way to get them, you know, even though I don't know if they can really look at it and really believe that they truly won it because they didn't play any high intensity games for it, any games that mattered, but still, 
That's what mostly he's going to go and do. And he'll be looking maybe to next season in maybe key players, maybe having a, having a longer holiday. So I think Oli has to, when I think about it, and I'm trying to think what he'd be like and who, he's, who he sees as his mentor, is that he's going to want to win every single game in front of him. He's going to want to be in an FA Cup final with a shadow of a doubt. He's going, to want, he's going to want to do that, take Manchester United to a final. Because he's been there as a player, he's going to want to go there as a manager leading out a team that he loves out to an FA Cup final. OK, it's an empty stadium, but still it's an FA Cup final. And, and he's going to want to do that. And if anything, if he could win it as well, that, that would be maybe putting two fingers up to everybody who's been digging him out. Because that can't be taken away from him if he was to get an FA Cup final and win it. doesn't matter how you look at it, it's there in black and white and nothing changes that. That's like Roy Keane come out and said about Liverpool's league, med- league, league winner's medal at one point, there remains beat, unbeaten all season. It doesn't say that on the back of the medal, it only says league champions. Yeah, absolutely. That's all it is. There's only, there's only so much you put on a medal. The Euro- Europa League, can you get Manchester United to a, Europe, a European final? What an achievement that would be, for again, for the doubters. And again, can he get Manchester United into the Champions League where everyone, everyone thought he weren't, they weren't good enough to do it, including me? I thought they were miles away, given everything and what was going on. And, I, you know, and it wasn't about him, it was what he had been left with and how he was going to pick up the pieces that, that had been left by previous managers. How was he going to get, how was he going to put together a dismembered team? And he's gone and done it. So he'll, as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason to put his eggs into one basket. Just play every game. Just get, Everything's in front. Just keep going for it. These repetitive games, the players aren't training as much. They'll be happy just to go and play games. The more they keep going, and they're getting used to with no one being around in the stands. That means they're getting more and more comfortable. They're on a little bit of a roll. Just keep going with what you got and try and win every game. And when you talk about resting now, they just had ninety odd days off. You know, <laughs> so you know, coming. I don't. I don't even want to hear about that. That that is that is. I hate that. One of the things I hate. One of these things. Some of those words I've hated over these last few months or years is rest. Oh, he's tired. He needs a rest. I keep saying about Harry Kane. He needs a rest. No, Harry Kane's having a bad time. It's not about resting people or anything. It's just about getting out there and playing because they're players. And if they can't raise themselves to play, then to be honest, and it isn't tiredness, it's the fact that they're in it for the wrong reasons as far as I'm concerned. United winning the last minute. I've got to say probably the um, lack of crowd there has probably influenced my interpretation of it. You know, I felt more relieved than jubilant. We won... In the FA Cup, in the last minute to get to the semi-final, should be dancing. Maybe it's the operation that's <laughs> the painkillers that are sort of making me a little bit weary about it. Well, I could, I couldn't get it. I mean, for me, at one, I'm sitting watching it, and I thought to myself, oh, at one point, I think to myself, oh well, it's hard. It doesn't matter now. It's just about getting over the line and winning a game and getting the three points. And I suddenly remembered it's an FA Cup game. Yeah. Because there was nothing there before. There was nothing in the. There was nothing around to suggest there wasn't anyone pushing it into people's faces that it's an FA Cup game. It was just a game on TV, and then with Premier League game with a Villa game going on earlier, I mean, and whatever, it, it, it took my mind away, thinking, remembering it was FA Cup. <laughs> so it's very, very, you know, to understand it as such. But yeah, they're in a semi-final, but there's no drama. 
which I suppose if they're going to do it, I mean, if they get knocked out or, you know, who will win it, if they do win the semi-final against Chelsea, I don't think there's going to be any great drama at all until maybe such time the final when everyone wants to talk about an empty Wembley. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Aaron Maguire then, nice little place in history because um, you'll remember his goal. But Philip Taylor asks, has there ever been a better FA Cup goal than Yoshino against Reading? It's up there, isn't it, Paul? I'm, I'm a bit disappointed how he's throwing up that it's a shinner. <laughs> that's the only thing I'd say against against the man. I mean, that's that, that's that's absolutely devastating. I mean, you can hear it in my voice, Wayne. I've gone a little bit hoarse there, haven't I? Um, um, to, um, I don't know about if there's been a better one, but I will actually categorically um, deny that it was that it, it definitely was not a shinner. Yeah, it's come off. It's come off a portion of the foot where it wasn't meant to. It's actually virtually come off my laces when I was going to use my instep to try and curl it around into the into the path of Sharpie or Eric who were making runs into the box off the left-hand side. I was trying to curl it and pull it in behind the um, Reading defence and it's actually bobbled up off the icy surface and I've actually caught it off my laces. If I wanted to catch it off my laces, it most really would then have come off my shin. That's, but it's just... It's just come. It's it's happened that way. I, I can't believe. I don't. I don't. What well, happened? And to be honest, if I'd have celebrated properly, I mostly would have got goal of the month. <laughs> there you go, Philip. I mean, you've offended Paul there, and um, that's just a low blow for the joy that he's bringing you in talking about United's um, successes this week. <laughs> um, let's talk about another fullback. Um, we've. Obviously, very, very privileged to talk to Paul every week on the podcast, but we also have some good former player content on the website as well. Really good column um, yesterday from Lee Martin on the 1990 FA Cup final goal, which shaped history. And you talked about Shinner, Paul, and, and getting it off your laces, but he admits that, uh, Lee actually admits that he thought the referee might blow Fran Ball in the build-up <laughs> to that goal, and that, that's on the website. You can have a listen to that. Um very quick one though on um, John O'Kane also asks about he was talking about the, the lack of output from our fullbacks on the website last week and that was before the Sheffield United game now obviously in that game it was good for Aaron Wambasaka to get an assist a very good assist as well um, and in a way Luke Shaw kind of did against Norwich but um, I had must admit, I saw quite a bit of division about his performance. And we did have a question from Mike Pierre, a friend of the website. He asks about Luke Shaw. He says, why does he insist on cutting inside rather than providing width when he's in the attacking third? It's very frustrating. And based on performances, is he running out of chances at United? Paul, I, I mean, that's one question. The other thing is I've seen a lot of people saying that he played well on Saturday. Yeah, well, I... Uh... I find that strange when people, when I saw that, people said he played well. I don't know what levels they're looking at for him to get by, but it's not the levels for me. When you look at left backs, what full backs are about to be today, and what, what's what's their game about? When you look at Wan Bissaka, he is the, the best defensive full back in the Premier League by a country mile. His game can always step forward once he maybe starts doing more on the attacking side and that will come in confidence that will definitely come after this season as long as it has been it will definitely still it will definitely it will improve and improve his defensive work maybe positionally people might question him but his recovery is good anyway but he's but he will the defence as far as I'm concerned and which Sir Alex would always say the same is that defensive work is your most important bit 
because you, you're cat- categorised as a defender. Mm. But the actual attacking side is always a positive, it's a plus. So, so he's, if he steps forward and he, he earns that bit, then it's a plus, it's a bonus. Brilliant for Wambasaka. For um, Luke Shaw, I look at it and oh, I was going to say a pun there, but I wouldn't have meant it. I was going to say I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, no, he's, no he's, he's, for me, struggling. Defensively, he's struggling. Struggling. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not, he's, defensively, he's always out of position because he, he, can't, he, can't, tra- he can't track back. Always out of position, caught out on a counter-attack, running back, facing his own goal. Um, one of the reasons why, it might come across as quite cutting, and I say this, but the reason, one of the reasons why is always cutting inside because that's an easier run than trying to go around the outside of somebody. Always. It's definitely easier to cut in and go in, but it's even harder for him because he's cutting in and he's going in on his left side of his left foot, and it's uh, and it's always everything, and he he just can't do it. There's no he's running into cul-de-sacs all the time. You'd rather him teams would rather him run inside. They know what he's doing. If you notice most of the games that United play, t- teams are offering they're closing down, they're stepping outside, and they're virtually offering an opportunity to cross it, which he never does. Never puts an early cross in, or they're saying, "Go on, run with it, run, run into that crowd, run into it," and he runs into it, and then straight away, if there's a counter attack, there's a massive, great big hole left on the left on the left hand side because him and him and Harry Maguire haven't got great legs. Yeah. Recovery wise, they're struggling, and everyone everyone looks to counter on that left hand side of Manchester United defence because there's no great pace on that side there's no positional sense and no recovery run from Luke Shaw Maguire struggles to turn and run and that's why really in theory if, if, if I'm going to go out if you're going to look at United and you look what you're going to go and do I'd be looking at a left-sided centre-half and I'd look at a left-back definitely minimum if two players were to come in that's what I'd look at yeah. I'd look at a left-sided centre-half. I'd, I'd move Harry Maguire onto his right side because he never uses his left foot anyway. And I would say, go in there and go from there and see and do it, do it, try and do it from there. But get a left-footed, left-sided centre-half so you get balance and someone with pace. If you're going to play with Luke Shaw there, if Ollie's happy having Luke Shaw with his left foot, go and get a left-sided centre-half who's actually going to go outside, who's going to play the ball wide to bring in a wide player into the game. Because if you're a wide player playing in front of Luke Shaw, you, you mostly, don't, you, you mostly when they do the stats, you mostly touch the ball least than any other Manchester United player because he never, he never goes outside. Yeah, um, this might sound like I'm being hypercritical of Shaw as well. He signed him in 2014 for a big fee. And at the time, he came in from Southampton. And you're looking at the three key areas where you think he's going to develop into the best defender in the league. You're thinking attacking-wise, he's offering this incredible option. Uh, Defensive-wise, he didn't look like he was going to get beaten very often. And he also, at the time, had incredible stamina about him. These are all the attributes you saw from him at Southampton, and all three of those are under massive question marks at United at the moment. Um, One player conspicuous by his absence at the weekend, Paul, was Dan James. Uh, Didn't play a single minute um, against Norwich. I don't think he was bought as a regular, and I think he may have played too many games. And maybe they've, they've realised that now that the more he played, it was doing him more harm than good. So 
I think, yeah, I think what Luke what Luke's put there was absolutely, ne- you know, hit the nail on the head about him. And yeah, he's got an idea, but I have to come out and say about when Luke was playing, Luke was a clever footballer, and Daniel James, he was more football. He, he he didn't he wasn't always just always getting caught the same. He couldn't he mixed his game up. To be perfectly honest, and he was very. Daniel James has definitely had a better run of games than what Luke, Luke Short, Luke um, Chadwick did. Yeah, in yeah, that sense, he's, he's had he's had a he's had a better run of games. I'm sure Luke is saying to himself, oh, "I wish I was given that run of games to have an, given that opportunity to go out and just do, you know, those to go out really and show people and just believe in that. Doesn't matter what I do here, I'm going to be playing next week." Which Luke James. Look, James, sorry, I'm getting mixed up here. Which Daniel James has had. Yeah, yeah. And, they, he, and he hasn't really justified it, really, for people to say he should be playing. Maybe that, maybe his um, debut has kind, of, has kind of backfired, really, because everyone went, wow. Yeah, he had a good yeah f- first few weeks. Everyone was thinking, oh, my mm. God. Um, but you're right, you're right, you know, and, and to be fair, we... I think we were saying from the very early days in this season, uh, really, that we we were a fan of all of Ollie's signings, and I still say that I am, and I think he'll come good. But he does like Luke, and like you have said, uh, with much more expert in a position than than I can. I think that um, you know he just needs to add an extra dimension to his game, and hopefully that will come as well. Um, so a couple of games coming up for United, as always. There's always one or two games at the moment. Um, Brighton are going to be playing tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night. Um, players have been rested on on Saturday, but you would say then there's little excuse for United to come out and and play well. But to be fair, because of the job that they made against Norwich, a lot of those players played for a lot longer than what Ollie would have liked when he brought them on. They ended up playing for, you know, you had um, Pogba and no, not Pogba, but definitely Rashford. Uh, you know, playing for like a, more than an hour or around an hour, and they would have. The idea was to give them 20-odd minutes. Uh, Brighton, meanwhile, they campaigned for this season to sort of not get off the ground again because of the the impact it might have on their own form. But, they, you know, they've done well at the Amex. They've won against Arsenal, so that doesn't seem to be founded. And they've obviously won their bo- both of their games against United down there um, since, since coming to the Premier League. So it's going to be a tough one, Paul. Um, but, you know, we should have a full... Fully, fully fit first team, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think so in certain ways. And just going back there quickly is that just what you're saying about Oli again looking only giving people 20 minutes. As again, the best way of doing it is go out there and try and get the job done. Because you you look at Rashford and you talk about, but that, that you know, those last bits of the game were quite high intensity because they were chasing it, chasing it. So it's definitely worked a lot harder than what they would maybe he wanted them to, wanted them to do because of the fact of the position that they were in and I just wonder when and there must be some reason why unless a manager can tell me why why do you why do you try and rest people in games you think you should be winning and then try and think you can then take people off your key ones off to give them a rest and bring other people on why don't you go out there and do the job mentally do the job against the other team when they see that you're putting out a fully a fully a full strength side in a cup game why not go and do that early then you might just straight away it puts them on the back foot rather than them take a, a foot put a front foot forward when you put out when you make eight changes yeah. so sometimes you make a rod for your own back as may as it's come out 
they have. Manchester United did, and they got away with it. Now they go into a game, a ground which they have struggled in. They got a team that were throwing everything up to get the season to not for the season to start, and all of a sudden they're having a decent run. So they're mostly looking forward to it and believing that United are going to come down there and they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle to get going because there's going to be no one watching. They believe that they've done okay with it. So for, for me, I think it means really that United are going to go there and achieve something. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, I think they are because maybe Brighton are thinking they're not far away. They've got points, extra points in the bag. They should be okay for this season. Looking forward to next season in the Premier League. It's a good time to actually go and just change that picture for them. Yeah, they've got six points um, leeway from the bottom three and also a, a much more positive goal difference than what, what those teams have so maybe they won't be the level of intensity that we've seen against them in the past um, although last last season we played them on the first first day of the season well second day of the season and absolutely ran right against us um, mm. a team that we've had mixed results against um, or another team struggling at the bottom Bournemouth we're going to be playing them at Old Trafford at the weekend they have been having a bit of a rough time of it since the restart they were very poor against Palace um, well, they've struggled since the restart, and United have got to be looking for three points with, with no excuses. I mean, it might be difficult against Brighton, but definitely not against um, Bournemouth. Well, I said not difficult against Bournemouth, but um, much more straightforward than the Brighton game. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> I'll be very surprised if it isn't, to be perfectly honest. And I think everyone would be surprised if United do struggle in this game. And it is about how they start and how they take the game. More importantly, how Oli treats the game. I'm hoping he doesn't treat it as he what he did the FA Cup game. Because they're definitely that little bit about more about Bournemouth as a, as a goal threat than what there is Norwich, to be perfectly honest. If you quell Pookie for Norwich, then you virtually are taken away a lot of what their firepower is. You're asking a lot of other players to come and do a bit. So you have to be careful with Bournemouth. They still they still can get themselves out of trouble. There's, and if you give them that little bit of belief, there could be something to go and take, especially as if there's no fans in the stadium and we know when United get behind and how the fans go and they can lift them. Or the fact that United go 1-0 up and what the fans can do then, they can lift players and take them on the twos and threes. So it's one of those games that United have got to start right or they could be vulnerable. But you've got to believe that they're going to win that game 2 or 3-0, to be perfectly honest, as long as it's taken seriously by the manager and seriously by the players. It should not be a problem and it should be for you know, United to win that game. It should start massive, massive alarm bells for um, for Bournemouth to get themselves out of trouble because as much as people keep talking about Bournemouth, uh, Eddie Howes and how he's done well and done this, I think if you have a look at the amount of players, what he's got on spent on players, and you look at how those players have performed, it's been awful. Yeah, absolutely awful. He's bought two players from Liverpool for millions, and they've both been awful. Solanko and the other lad, the other the right winger, I've forgotten his name. I can't think what his name is. Iber. I, but yeah, yeah, they've been poor. Some of these, he's been absolutely terrible. And, and to be honest, it never gets mentioned by anybody. But I think if you speak to Bournemouth fans, and I think if you look and people look themselves, some of his signings, there's been nothing. His best ever signing has been Nathan Aki. Yeah. Nathan Aki is mostly their most dangerous player. When he gets in the ball, he's I mean, from dead ball situations. He's good in the air. 
He's, he's well, he's honest in the air because he he attacks everything in the air, and he's got and he's got a great left foot, and he and he scored quite a few important goals from from dead balls, you know, from the fact of being in, around the box with either his feet or with his head. So in theory, he's he's maybe their he is their best player. Yeah. I think he's a player that United should go and get. To be honest, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna keep if you're gonna Stay within his shores, and if you want to get a British player, sorry, go and get a player who has who has acquitted himself well in the Premier League. It has to be go and be him, or you go and get another Dutch lad who's at Juve, Delit, yeah, who's struggling. You go and get him and get him as your left side, his centre half. Because if anybody's really watched him and you look at him now, that that is. That's someone who is built, and somebody who would who would be would have a, a good time in the Premier League with less pressure and re- less scrutiny than what there is in the Italian league playing for Juve. Yeah, as a defender, you mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right, and obviously, no, you're a big fan of Nathan Ake, and you are probably right. Is their biggest goal threat um, from certainly from set pieces, and United mm. sometimes look susceptible. Um, but Bournemouth less than a goal a game, so you. It should be straightforward, he says. Touch wood. Um, hopefully, that will be the um, nature of the conversation that we're having next week on the podcast. We'll be talking about two, two straightforward wins, but you know, with United, it's never that easy. Um, that's it for this week, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, really appreciate your support getting us getting us off the ground again after the sort of restart of the pod um really do appreciate how how great the feedback's been this week if you have enjoyed the show give us a nice rating and review on itunes it really means a lot um makes a difference as well to the to the search rankings um and we really appreciate it as well if you want to get any questions early for the next week's podcast send it through the talking devils hashtag on twitter And we will be back next week to discuss, hopefully, those routine wins against Brighton and Bournemouth. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.